Welcome to Limitless, the blind beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community, in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. This week's podcast is being released just before Mother's Day. And in honor of that, we wanted to talk about our mothers, specifically how our mothers have helped us maybe come to terms with our visual impairment or things that our moms have done to help us deal with being blind or partially sighted. And joining me today are Ishita, Lena, and Colby. Welcome, ladies. Hello. 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 Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thanks for being here. So let's start off. uh, Why don't you tell us or tell our, tell me, tell our listeners a little bit about when you became visually impaired, like how old were you and what is your visual impairment? Uh, Ishita, do you want to go first? Sure. So I have a condition called Conrad dystrophy, which primarily affects my central field of vision. Um, I can see general shapes and colors fairly well, but have issues with seeing finer details. And I started losing my vision when I was uh, seven years old. And it kind of progressed since up until I was around 10, 11. And then it's kind of been stable ever since. Lena, how about you? So I was born with full vision but then at the age of two and a half years old i had a brain tumor so what that primarily did it it kind of affected my brain and then they the doctors had to take it out so it's basically damaged my optic nerve which has caused me to be blind and ever since two and a half years old i've been blind so okay yeah thank you and colby how about you So for me, um, my parents started noticing uh, my vision being um, an issue when I was just young, probably about two or so. Um, And from there until I was about 13 or 14, um, I could still see quite a bit, um, but my cones and rods in my eyes were um, the areas that I had trouble with. And eventually, um, they just deteriorated, and um, I became blind, totally blind, um, around the age of 15. And um, that was from a genetic disorder called Alstrom syndrome. And I was diagnosed when I was five with retinitis pigmentosa, but actually I had a lazy eye they noticed when I was about 14 months old. Um, and my parents were told, oh, we're going to prescribe glasses. And by the time she starts kindergarten, she should be fine and she won't need to wear them anymore. So it was definitely quite a shock when at five, my mom was told that I had retinitis pigmentosa and I was going blind and my vision gradually deteriorated. I mean, it's still gradually deteriorating, I guess. Uh, By the time I was 18, I couldn't read print anymore, which sort of in my mind is like the point where you're more blind than sighted. Um, 
but I still have a little bit of shadowy light perception, little bit of shapes, very little. So do you, I mean, some of you were really young, two and a half, two, um, I was pretty young too. I don't really remember how my mom reacted when I was first diagnosed. Ishita, do you have any memories of that time? I have a little, a little some memories. Um, I think the first one, uh, mostly being when my parents are noticing that I, my, I would look to the side when I was looking at something. Um, they thought it was kind of odd and they're either like, are you doing it on purpose? Like, is everything okay? So then, um, kind of like, I remember that concern being around me quite a bit. Um, and then when I turned, like when I was about like almost eight, I think, and was like, you know, I was in the first grade, um, reading became a little bit of a difficulty, like reading the board, um, primarily. And I remember like struggling to be able to do it, but I wouldn't tell anyone that I wasn't able to see. Uh, mm. I don't know why, but I just, just like, you know, mm. hopefully it'll go away. <laughs> that was mm. my mentality. And, yeah. Um, mm. When my mom sort of figured it out, uh, I also went to go see the doctor and they gave me glasses and ended up being uh, not the best choice because I would actually take off the glasses and, and like read with that <laughs> because I found it easier to read without the glasses than with the glasses. So, um, and I recently found them again, like uh, like a couple years ago, like when I was like, in, like, I don't know, a couple years ago, I was kind of cleaning out my drawer and I found the glasses and I'm like, these were the glasses <laughs> back when I was like a grade one and I, I wore them and God, they were awful. They were really bad. Um, but I remember that concern, that concern, like, we don't know what's happening. We don't know what's going on. Um, like everything was fine up until I was seven. And then like I had 20, 20 vision, everything was good, but then and something just happened and it was like, what's happening. So I, think, I remember mm. that a lot, that feeling when I was growing up. It, interesting. You say that. Cause I also remember the concern and I didn't know why, um, because mm. my, I didn't know I was visually impaired until I was 12, but those, those childhood years of my mom just always like being really close by to grab me in case danger leaped in my path danger being a curb edge or <laughs> yeah <laughs> or something i was going to walk into or trip over or you know definitely felt the concern from my mom what about you colby cuz yours was kind of gradual as well and then maybe the difference yeah. when you went totally blind what was that like um so i know my parents first noticed my eyes um they were shaking and I wasn't really looking at, at them so that's why they were like okay what's happening um and that's when I got um diagnosed with nystagmus and that's when they found out that um so I had cone rod dystrophy and that's when they found out about that. And, um, and then, I mean, um, as I had vision and losing it, um, my parents were, um, I don't think it was a huge surprise um, or shock that I was, losing my vision um very much but then when i did eventually lose what i had it was such uh, a large amount i think that's when they were very like 
over cautious and um we're always there um like you're saying so let's talk about i mean i feel like the standard oh yeah overprotection and you know things like that um moms tend to be moms of kids with disabilities <laughs> tend to be overprotective trying to keep yeah. us all safe which makes sense mm-hmm. what are some of the ways that your moms have supported you around your visual impairment for me um i would say emotionally like my mom has been really supportive of telling me that like you can still do everything that you want to and just making me realize that it doesn't matter um if i can see or not i can still do anything i want to and set my mind to and like will tell me like, oh, I know you can do whatever you want um, or whatever you put your mind to, um, you can do it and you're gonna do really great at it. Yeah, I mean, same for me. Um, I can't think of a time where uh, I I grew up with the saying that my mom said was like, nothing is impossible. I've been Mm -hmm. hearing that since I was like, a kid um, before being visually impaired and after, and it's stuck around since. Um, And I grew up with that mentality. And I I talked about this bit in our integration versus segregation podcast, but um, being treated as very normal, um, both in my environment and at home, like just at school and at home that um, I think whatever my brother wanted to do, because I have an older brother, um, I wanted to do going into sports, all right, yeah. we'll do it for you. Um, you want to play an instrument? All right, let's let's do it. Um, you want to color? You want to paint? You want to do all this stuff? Great. Um, I I also did like ice skating, and it was I was not good at it, but I did it because <laughs> my brother did it, and I wanted to do it, and um, stuff like that. I think, and I I remember also growing up just um, career wise, like you know, every career that every kid's like, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a an astronaut, and I grew up saying the same things. Um, I think the main one for me was like doctor and scientist that I wanted to be. Uh, I don't want to do that anymore, but I grew up (laughs) thinking that I could and I I would eventually accomplish something. And that also led to like a lot of um, just self-discovery and then knowing what I like and don't like. And there was like no limitation um, surrounding me with it. So um, definitely the emotional support um, was very even there. And another thing was also with my condition, I didn't know what I had until I was 19. I wasn't diagnosed that whole period. Um, it kind of went from like RP to star guards to like, oh, maybe it's juvenile macular generation. It could be kind of anything. Um, and my mom had a good balance of um, being clear that she didn't know what was going to happen. Like, I, I honestly don't know what you have and what what's going to happen. Um, but it's okay. It's going to be fine because I know you're going to be fine no matter what happens. So that balance of being honest, but also reassuring was very evident within my mom. And I really appreciate that. That must've been hard for her and for you, but to not know what the, what's in store. Yeah. For her. I mean, none of us do, yeah. but Google, Google can be a curse as well, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yes. when you have a diagnosis, you can look it up and have some idea of the range of things that could happen. But when you don't, that's tough. Lena, what are some of the ways your mom has helped you around your visual impairment? I know when I was like very little, I would think the same thing that, oh, just because I can't see anything doesn't does mean I can't do very 
Like, I can't do things that sighted people can do, like play sports or play with your friends after school or something. But then as I kind of grew up, I my mom started saying things like, okay, you can do anything that you set your mind to. And the other thing is, um, I didn't know that I had brain tumor in my when I was two and a half. So that kind of also made me, my mom, worry a lot. But then after she would say, everything's going to be okay. So just kind of reassuring me whenever I needed it. It, it just gave me comfort and support when I, whenever I was like, okay, I can't do this. What should I do? I was feeling very stressed. And then my mom would always comfort me. So that was a big thing. What about advocating on your behalf? Have any of your moms done some advocacy for you? For sure, on my end. Yeah, um, for sure, too. <laughs> yeah. I think the biggest <laughs> example I can think of was my IEPs. Um, hmm. uh, uh, ever since, like, you know, just in school. Um, mine, I started taking over mine up until I was, like, in grade 7. Then I started going to them, and I started um, kind of advocating for myself. But before then, I was very shy. I didn't know how to properly articulate my own condition and how to properly describe it to people. Um, I was kind of going off of what doctors were saying to me. And then when I started getting older, I realized that it wasn't an accurate representation of how I did see. So I practice with my family in trying to tell them how I saw and what I can see and what I can, you know, can't do. Um, and they would let me know, like, oh, also when you're at home, you can't do this. Is this something that you can see or you can't see or you just choose not to do it? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> what, what's going on with that? So um, up until then, my mom would go um, uh, alone and just advocate for me and tell them what I would need um, at home, what I would need at school, what she thought was best for me. Um, and it was often very, very accurate. I, I can't say that I, com I could complain about it. I just decided to kind of take over when I was in grade seven to develop my own advocacy skills. But um, she had the best idea of what I needed because I would study with her all the time. She would, you know, sit down next to me, make sure I finished my math homework because I was really bad at that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, know when I needed extra help. So that was, I think, the biggest example. But I also have a few here and there about like, um, when I got denied to play sports. Um, and I also mentioned this in the integration or segregation podcast when she came in and started talking to the person who denied me from doing a martial arts in my school just because he thought I couldn't and I was visually impaired. Um, she demanded that I get an extra, like an, an attempt at least to audition. Um, mm. And uh, mm. a lot of those stories <laughs> just kind of throughout school and um, personal life with friends and with friends' parents who felt uncomfortable and having her bridge that gap and tell them what it was like and family members. I didn't know, but a lot of family members had questions and, and she would be the one who would describe it. So um, a lot of advocacy in my mom's part for me. I would say for me, like it, it was quite, it's quite similar. Um, my mom went to a lot of my IEP meetings um, and she, she and I are, are quite close. So she knows a lot of what I needed um and what i could see and whatnot also she has um advocated quite a bit for me um in the medical system mm -hmm. making sure that mm -hmm. um i got anything that i needed and 
making sure that like things were done that were going to be benefit me the most and not just getting things done so they were done kind of thing she really took charge of that when um i was a bit younger now it's my turn to do all that i really appreciated that and i'm really grateful did any of your mom's help or encourage you to connect with other kids who are blind or partially sighted i think for me personally I remember when I was in elementary school, we had a program where blind people would come every week and we would play like fun activities together. And at first I would just kind of sit, sit on the side, just sit on the bench and do nothing for two hours. But then when I told my mom, she's like, no, you should go talk to them. Just because you've never met another person who's blind or visually impaired doesn't mean you can't go and talk to them. Um, it was a bit scary because, like, I never met anyone who was blind or visually impaired in my school. So it was a big jump for me. But then after, I made so many friends, and it was just really fun. So for me, when I still had quite a bit of vision, um, I didn't really know any other visually impaired blind um kids my age or um really but once I lost my vision my mom was very supportive of making sure that um even though there wasn't kids in my area that like through blind beginnings I was able to come and meet other kids and I think that was probably um one of the first things that I did when I had lost my vision and it was so good for me and it really benefited me and I think that my mom saw that me being with other kids who are just like me and having um, lost their vision or even just being blind um, from a young age would really help me Um, and I've continued to to have those friends and having them in my life is really, really great and important to me. I think mine was a bit of a different experience because growing up like partially sighted, uh, I was kind of in the middle of uh, visually impaired and sighted. It was like a a weird mix where I could blend in pretty well to kind of into a sighted, like that kind of environment. And it, it was really not much of an issue. Um, and I live in an area that's kind of closed off. Like a lot of people know a lot of people in my area. So I kind of grew up with the same group of people, same friends kind of up until university. So there wasn't that need to try and meet new people um, and try to make new friends um, on my end. Um, my, and my mom didn't know too much about um, Blind Beginnings or CNIB or any other sort of um, blindness oriented organization where I could meet people like this um, up until I met my vision teacher and she started telling me about some opportunities. So it kind of came on later on um, when I was in about high school. That's kind of when I started to meet other people and and talk to them. So um, it's like a mix of not, not knowing and the need not being there. But as soon as I did find out, she did encourage me to 
to meet new people and and she said maybe you can connect with them and, and you never know you can find a great friend there so mm -hmm. uh, it was there but kind of came on later on um when i was like in grade nine ten um and i kind of took the initiative after that to do it myself yeah Okay, so this one is one that you might not even know the answer to, but I'm curious if you know whether your whether your moms got any emotional support for themselves around coming to terms with having a child with a visual impairment. Like that's a you know, that can be really tough for for parents who pro most parents don't expect that their child is going to be blind. Um mm -hmm. So like, do you know if your moms went for counseling or did support groups or just, you know, had a, a way of getting some support themselves around their feelings about all that was going on with their daughters? I don't think for me, for my mom, I think she kind of just got over it quickly. But I know for the first little bit, she was very depressed and she wouldn't even like she was very depressed for the last like couple of years but then after she just got over it i don't think either from my mom that she did reach out to a counselor or a support group i think the um maybe speaking for her but the mentality that she had was more like let's find out what it is um yeah. i'm gonna do my best to to reach out to as many medical personnel as i can to to reach out to whoever i can to figure out what it is and then see what we can do with that i think that was uh, a lot of the mentality that she had um and i know that she did you know rely on on family family was a good support for her and um once uh i think I, I got like a vision teacher and other people who may understand a bit more about this and i've seen other students with it um i think that really helped her um mm -hmm. being secure with the idea that i'm going to be okay like she she knew it but i think seeing it in practice when i started doing onm and i was getting good feedback from my instructor and i was doing well with the vision teacher and then adapting to all my equipment i think that did a lot for her and then made her feel a lot more um just just happy and like okay it's gonna be okay we're all gonna be okay kind of um mm -hmm. feeling that started sinking in then yeah i don't think my mom had any counseling or anything either um i would say that because we are very close and we talk to each other a lot about everything and anything and i think my mom sees how well uh, how well I'm doing and like you were saying Ishida now that she knows some other people uh with the same condition that I have I think just having that um is a good support I I wish that she maybe could have could have more relief and whatnot but um I think she's doing fairly well at this point yeah, I know my my parents didn't either. And I think same thing, like watching me be okay has allowed them to feel okay. Yeah. That's, that's a long process. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. a very long process. That can take years, yeah. right? To, to yeah. Especially if your child's diagnosed at two or something, like that takes a long time <laughs> to know they're okay. So I, yeah. I think it's really important that that parents get support too. I think it, it just, I, yeah, I but 
it's very selfless of mothers to not and to focus their energy on their children and their needs rather than their own needs. I know, like, for me, uh, my mom was very, like, sad when she saw me, like, um, struggling. But Mm -hmm. then after, when I kind of was more understandable of my blindness, then she was like, okay, calm yourself down. Everything's going to be okay. So (laughs) I think just seeing me be okay is the best thing she ever could see me do. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about my mom, uh, and I feel like, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of funny because I, I have written down, treated me like I was normal. Now, part of that was because they chose not to tell me that I was blind. So there's a little bit of like denial, <laughs> oh, yeah, but the reality is they did treat me like I was sighted. I mean, normal, what's that mean? There is no such thing, but (laughs) (laughs) they didn't really treat me too differently from my sighted sister. Um, And I was still expected to clean the house and, you know, do the dishes and do the chores just like my sister. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there was sort of those similar expectations. And I guess the biggest thing though is like, my mom just let me show her what I could do. You know, there was a kind of an assumption that I would, there'd be some way I could do it. And it often was me that would figure out how, because she didn't know how to teach me how to do something without vision, but you know, I would, I don't like, she didn't teach me how to do the dishes by feel, but I just did the dishes by feel. (laughs) So I think she kind of gave me the space to figure it out and trusted that I would be able to, which I think was kind of great. Same. I think I had a lot of those same experiences. It was like, okay, this is your responsibility. Um, do it if you can. Great. If we end up flooding the house or burning the house down, I mean, that's not an ideal situation. But um, yeah, I think like the big one I could think of is like baking because I really do like baking, and I started getting into it when I was younger. And um, my, I don't think we like we baked a little bit in the house, but then when I started doing foods in school that's when I started like learning that I liked it a lot more um and I would you know take charge in that stuff and then when I came home and and showed my mom what I made I'd give it to her and she's like wow you can actually bake okay let's let's try it at home let's let's get these recipes from school and then and make it at home and let's see how you do it and then um I generally showed her and the way I would do it at school is have people like kind of how I would say the measurement and I would either like have them help me or I would kind of do it by feel and figure it out that way um and kind of that's how I learned to bake and I do it with her today too and it's it's like something that like I took this time to learn on my own and then I brought it home and I showed her that I can do it and um now I make lots of banana bread at home that totally makes me think of the the cooking accidents I had in my mom's kitchen like making scrambled eggs um Uh-oh. in a frying pan on the stove with my oh. robe on and this the like tie of my robe getting in the element and catching on oh. fire oh. except i didn't even know that that happened until the next time i was wearing it and it was all singed <laughs> and, and i figured out what must have happened or the time that i exploded a can of ravioli in the microwave because i didn't know you had to remove the you know the metal foil part before you put it in 
anyways. Oh, Sean. So many disasters. Yeah. But I share. Yeah. I'd say for me, the biggest thing for me in elementary school, primarily with these few years, was to take care of my, like, just to take responsibility over my work. So, like, primarily my mom would try to help me. And then basically, I'd say when I got into high school, then my mom was really happy because then I'd show her, okay, mom, this is what I did in math class or something, and this is how I did it. And then I kind of teach her how to do the math problem. And she would be so amazed and so impressed at at how far I've come. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. So we're coming up to Mother's Day. I want to give each of you an opportunity to say something to your mom. What What do you want to say to her this Mother's Day? So much. So much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my mom loves to listen to the podcast, so I'm sure she'll be listening to this. So, mom, just just thank you. Thank you so much for always being there for me, just from the beginning and. And now, even now, um, anytime I need you, you're still there. Um, Thank you for giving me the equal opportunity as everyone else. I think I truly understood um, equality from my mom because um, it's something that uh, I've seen. I've seen her do just um, personally uh, around me, around everyone else. Um, You are like the biggest role model in my life. And I'll be happy if I even get to be 1% as great as you. and you still kind of inspire me to to do even more. Uh, I think I have this mentality now that I can always do better and achieve good things. Um, and I think that comes a lot from my mom. So thank you so much for everything. So mom, I know you've always been very loving of me and I appreciate that. You've always inspired me. And you always make me happy of what I, what I do. And I'm so grateful that you've come, that you've taking care of me for 14 years and um yeah you're just an amazing person and you always inspire me to do amazing new things and that's why i achieve my goals in any possible way thanks so much mom thanks for being my mom um i'm really grateful that you always believe in me even when i don't believe in myself I just love you so much and thank you again for all your support and I know you're always there for me um, and you're always going to be there for me and I don't know what I would do without you. So thank you so much and happy Mother's Day. Okay, so my turn. Um, I want to thank my mom for not stopping me from doing some of the crazy things that I wanted to do, (laughs) even though you must've been so scared for me moving to the Island with a boy that you didn't really like moving to England, (laughs) quitting my job to start a nonprofit. (laughs) I've done some crazy big things that I'm sure were terrifying for you mm-hmm. and you didn't stop me from doing them and i really appreciate that also um, thanks for all the babysitting and the rides and the food oh <laughs> <laughs> i like that now what about any advice for other parents who are raising a child with a visual impairment 
um, moms who are starting out on this journey of parenting a child with a visual impairment, what, what would you want to say to them? Um, I would say that it's, it's not as different as raising a child who is sighted. You just have to be like a little more protective than you would be of a sighted child. So like be supportive, be always tell them you can do anything that you put your mind to and always just give them encouragement whenever you when whenever they feel down you can always give them encouragement i say that congratulations on your new child they're gonna teach you so much that you won't believe i also want to say that it's important to let them explore and figure things out for themselves Try not to hold them back as much as you would like, even though you're going to want to. And just love them. Treat them the same way you want to treat yourself or treat any of your other children. God, I don't even know if I could add much to that. Um, Just, yeah. No, I think one common thing we all talked about today is that our parents and our moms treated us equally um, Mm -hmm. as anyone else who cited or a sibling. So um, definitely... Um, they aren't that different in terms of they're, they're going to be a unique person. They're going to have their own interests. They're going to have, um, stuff that they want to explore. So definitely do let them do that. Um, I think another thing I would add is don't be afraid to let them make mistakes. Um, Mm -hmm. I think with being overprotective, we tend to, we tend to limit them and stop them from, um, trying to explore and do new things. And I can honestly say from making mistakes and, doing stuff like that, I've learned so much from about myself. So um, let, you know, just let them be free for a bit. Uh, They'll always come back to you, I'm sure. Um, But another thing is also, I know a lot of us talked about not our parents not getting support, but I would always, you know, recommend it if it's something that you are interested in. Um, It's a wonderful thing. And, um, you know, we uh, Blind Beginnings has some great resources. So don't be afraid to reach out and um, whether it's that or through any any other way, um, support can be very, um, very important. So if it's something that you think you need, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, along those same lines, I think, <sighs> encourage your kid to connect with other kids that are blind and and connect yourself with other parents that are raising children who are blind. And I'm going to be a little self-serving here and say, my advice is to continue to listen to the Limitless podcast and hear from the voices of youth and young adults and an older adult here who is blind, who are blind (laughs) (laughs) and partially sighted because this is sort of an, it's like you get to be a fly on the wall and hear what it's like, right? And what it might be like for your child and how do we feel? And yeah, just, just, I think this is a great venue for you to learn a lot about the experiences that your child might have as they get older and share the podcast with your other extended family, the the aunts, the uncles, the grandparents, the cousins, the people who are also going to interact with your child, the friends of the family, so that they can learn too and and learn start to see that your child's not that different like lena said not that different from any other sighted child just experiences the world a little differently yeah well happy mother's day to all those moms out there happy mother's day happy Happy mother's Mother's Day. day
Yeah. And thanks to you guys for joining me today for this episode. This has been great. Really appreciate you telling me about your moms. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast with a friend, leave us a rating or review, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.